Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Sarah Turner is an award-winning author known for her Unmumsy Mum books. This spring, she released her debut novel, Stepping Up. Today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad. Uh, you know, it's been another tense week in politics. Oh, I'm in Birmingham now, so I'm always happier when I'm here. So this podcast is all about letter writing. Are you much of a letter writer? I used to be a massive letter writer, so not so much nowadays, but actually in preparation for this podcast, I went and dug out some old letters that I wrote when I had lots of pen pals as a kid. And I've realised I do miss I do miss the art of letter writing. It's all long form emails and blogs and stuff nowadays. But yeah. And I can't bear an email that's longer than one paragraph. <sighs> Future reference of anyone listening to this who wants to email me. If you haven't said it in the first sentence, I'm not reading any more than that. <laughs> I get so many emails. I can't bear long emails. Sometimes you start... What I do is I'll scroll through before even starting to read. And it's just like... I did get an email the other day where it was so long that the person was had that level of self-awareness that it was that long that they'd taken the kind of time to go through and highlight key bits in in bold and I thought if you're having to do that it's probably a little bit too lengthy you know yeah and often when people highlight things in bold in emails to me that it's it's aggressive or mad those are the two (laughs) options uh, of a highlighted email that I receive so you dug out some letters that you you had written or had been written to you yeah so and actually I've realized I was quite a tragic child from this bounty of pen pal letters Jess it's dawned on me that the kind of weight of the relationship in terms of the pen pal arrangement was not even both sides were not contributing the same amount and I was a very needy pen pal so basically I had 
as a child, I've realised this, having previously not been back and dug out these letters, um, I obviously had some kind of a issue with, with change. So I used to hate it as a kid at school if somebody left. So my way of dealing with that would be, well, we'll write to one another. But they were just quite happy to leave. You know, kids move schools all the time, right? They just move schools. So I've got all these kind of half-baked uh, pen pal relationships where I've really wanted to stay in contact with these, with these people forever and then they yeah obviously they just then don't write back there's even one to a primary school teacher who left and I made my mum ask Mrs Brian if she would carry on writing to me when she'd gone to another school and she did I mean that's not normal is it I hadn't even thought about this I just didn't like it when people left so I had loads of pen pals and actually when we moved we moved house we moved from Essex to Cornwall when I was about five but kept in contact with some of those friends but some of those pen pal letters were like teenage and pre-teen angst gold it was all I found some of those and it was all like you know hi I'm getting a bra soon have you started yet right back can I just say the notes that we used to pass in school like have you started yet like meaning it for anyone who doesn't know have you started your period now I started my period when I was nine so I was like wow can I just say that makes you like I know it seems ridiculous now but it makes you the queen essentially if you've started it does yeah (laughs) All you want to do, or I can remember being so jealous of everybody that had started their periods and also people that needed a bra. Like I didn't need a bra, but I still made my mum buy me like an M&S trainer bra because I just wanted to adjust the straps and assembly so the boys would see that I had a bra because obviously, you know, I was womanly at or 11 or whatever that really wasn't but yeah why did you like a 32d when i was 11 well you were you would have been i mean i would have hated you i would have been like with her sanitary towels and her bra (laughs) yeah i remember in year nine they or or year eight we went into what they used to call the lecture theater at my school we had this talk about periods and i thought i've had my period for like four years why are you telling me about this and they gave (laughs) us like the sanitary towels that would fit in like you know if if a if a doll in a doll's house started their period yeah yeah like a panty liner that's never done any never done anything um but yeah so the let so the letters from the letters from my childhood i actually i actually feel a bit sorry for 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 me the me that sat writing all these letters to people that i hoped i'd be pen pals forever with best friend forever um there was a best friend you know there was like uh, i mean i had, didn't physically have it but there was reference to like half of a best friend necklace that i must have i must have sent someone as well so yes i did maybe that is why i fell out of the art of letter writing because you know people stop writing back. <laughs> i don't know did anyone maintain the relationship? Do you know? Um, no, they all remained best friends forever. With no, no, not not from that, not from not from uh, not from those days. No, I did keep in contact with the friend who we moved house away from, who we sent the "Have you started yet?" You know, I'm I'm still in contact with that. So you know, in about year ten, it elevated away from being about whether you'd started your periods and like who had condoms in their wallets or was on the pill like that. Oh yeah, are you? used to like when I was in year 11 I used to like really conspicuously take the pill in class because you had to do it then obviously it was yeah at this time of day just like what an idiot oh god we like I say it's tragic tragic but and also the fact that you're so you're in so much of a hurry to to grow up when actually growing up is really rubbish 
I mean, no, the thought that I wanted to have my period... Actually, I don't... I, I never really experienced wanting to have my period because my period started so, when I was so young. But, like, every, like the idea that it was a cool thing that you had your period is unfathomable to me now. Yeah, but it's weird, isn't it? Because I can remember wanting to start my period so that I would be in the club with the other with the other girls that could kind of talk about, you know, hot water bottles and all the rest of it. But at the same time, also having to rustle the sanitary pad up my jumper so that the boys wouldn't see it when I went to the toilet in geography so so messed up it is my mum used to say because I've got three older brothers my mum used to send them when they were teenagers to buy sanitary products from from the shop like good 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 for her sort of like you'll you'll get used to that this is what happens to women but yeah it's it is a funny thing like for some people you really want to start it and for others you really want to hide it yeah teenagers it's a minefield being a teenager (laughs) i've got two sons and they you know one is 13 one is 17 so one is like going through puberty one is obviously completely gone through come out the other side it seemed uneventful that's good to know because i've got three boys that aren't there yet so they're 10 7 and 4 but the eldest has just had his uh what was the name of the it wasn't called sex education it was like basically like it was like puberty information it was called like changing changing bodies or something and that was there was great hilarity at school the other week it was totally uneventful for my sons like you know one day they're running around and they're naked the next we call them never nudes because you know you're not not allowed to even see them with their tops off anymore like but like that I don't remember there being any particular maybe I mean maybe my mum would have said the same thing if you'd said it about me Um, yeah I don't remember I don't recall there being any particular their voices broke in a really um, both of them in a completely like it was there's no fanfare just like and I didn't notice it happening and then I listen to recordings of them, like videos will come up on your memory. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, they sound completely different. And oh. I didn't even notice it happening. No, it wasn't like the comedy voice break where, you know. The thing that gets played up in, like, sitcoms, it wasn't yeah. like that at all. Oh. It wasn't like that at all. They just sort of transitioned. They, they go through a period of really smelling. They smell a lot. <laughs> nice. I'll look, for, I'll look forward to that. Just don't let them have other people around the house because, like, just, like, five of them in one room, it's like a fug. Like, you open the door and it's like an actual cloud. Uh. Um, right then, so do you have any particular letters of note, like letters telling you you got a brilliant job or that you got your deal or whatever? I don't, you know, I don't think I've ever had... I wish I had some kind of a celebrity or exciting letter, but I don't think I've ever had a letter of note in that way I can't not like not that I can think of I mean I've had kind of you know probably by the time that I got to job offers and stuff they weren't I would get a letter but somebody probably would already have put the call in by then like when I was younger like to get into the school you, you would get it on a letter your yeah your results and everything I did have no I did have I was like super geeky student and university student I was away actually in Morocco when my graduation happened so I missed all of that and I did get sent a letter with a 50 pound check to tell me that I'd won a memorial prize because I got the highest mark in my degree discipline or whatever it yeah it was like have 50 pounds from this guy who was a you know was a student here before he died so that was you know that was that was a good letter an unexpected letter but um not that i might do that for when i die i might leave some money to go to the people who just are on the cusp of getting a two one (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> the people who the exactly you know like in your first year at university they tell you you have to get 40 percent to pass and so i aimed for 40 percent. i played it exactly on the line never and how did that go for you but fine I mean, I got Brilliant. I played it on the line the entire way through. So I might make a memorial prize for the people who get bang on sixty percent in their uh, in, in their degree. Like you know, like you, no more effort than was required. What a legacy! Yeah, that would be great. But basically, those are. I think those people go unrecognised. That's almost a skill in itself. Yeah, like absolutely. You know, I'm do just the right amount to nice. get away with it, but not to. Uh, stretch myself to yeah uh so that, that those i feel are my people they're they're uh they're, i'm gonna my my heritage will be to them um so i have asked you to think about three different people or groups of people people often subvert the rules um <laughs> to, which is fine I'm, I, I'm i'm not strict it's not desert island discs you can <laughs> 20 luxuries when people take fags i always think i hope they're gonna get a lighter oh god yeah they're gonna light the fags and to think about people you would want to write a letter to and how you would write that letter so who is the first person the person who means the world to you the person who means the world to me is my husband james so james will be i'm unsure as to whether or not he'll think this is lovely or if he'll be mortified when he listens to this um but i'm going i'm going with it i'm going with it anyway not least because when my first book came out i did a kind of panicked speech at the launch party and thanked everybody except him, which he's never let me live down. He's always like, do you remember that time that you thanked everyone and their dog, but didn't say thank you to me, your loving husband for his unwavering support and belief. So this one's for you, James. Um, So we've been together for ages. So I met James when I was 16 and we were, you know, both grew up in a fairly small Cornish town. And I don't know, I suppose it's one of those stories where, but people said it will, you know, it will never last because you don't marry the first person that you sort of fall in love with. But we did and we're still going. And actually, we've I've, so I've nearly known him 20 years, which is longer than I haven't. I had life without him. And we just get like, I was thinking about this. I think, oh, God, what am I going to say? And I think it just comes down to the fact that we just get on ridiculously well like you know I think if you're if you're with somebody for that amount of time and you still want to be with them then you have to kind of have that all those uh, in jokes and stupid references and all that stuff that nobody else kind of you become like a, your own bubble don't you that it's like your own language really and I feel like that's where since I was 12 so I have a yeah. thing we weren't going out at the time um, yeah I didn't like him I met him on the launch day of the first episode of friends in the UK and he was not interested he still hates friends and he was not interested and he was just he had like a straw and he was blowing through the straw small bits of like chewed up Rizzler so I thought what a knob he was but we <laughs> we maintained a friendship after that but yeah so I've known him for a lot longer than I didn't know him what you say about references is is really important like me and my husband can play like articulate with each other and just like the rays of an eye and he will be able to know what I am talking about yeah. our, our cultural references are exactly the same 
everything is the same. And I, I think I think that's nice. I do as well. And you remember or you say things that, you know, wouldn't mean anything to other people. So like lines from really obscure films or books even that you both have read and you'll mention something like the word association thing. Somebody will say something, you'll say the first thing that comes into your head and it'll always be the same thing that other people would be like, what are you on about? And we're very, very, we're very, very different and I don't know maybe that's why maybe that's why it works I'm kind of fairly outgoing and you know happy to do kind of events and stuff and James is like you know the sort of person that will blend into the chair in case somebody asks for audience participation because he it would yeah he doesn't it doesn't like being the center of attention in any way shape or form so it works yeah my husband like is not a political husband like he I brought him to one event uh, like a fundraiser for the Labour Party before I was even elected. I think I don't even think I was the candidate at the time. And he said to two people who had been in Westminster and had an affair, they'd said, oh, you know, do you not worry about what it might do to your marriage? And he said, no, because Jess isn't a horrible philanderer. And then I was like that, oh, God. Amazing. <laughs> so that was the last time that That's Tom it. took part in my political life. But you know that bit where they get like your husband on stage at the end of like a conference speech? He was like that. Never <laughs> in a million fucking years would I stand and wave on a stage with you. You've got to be kidding me. It's like I'm yeah. not a politician. He thinks people who are members of political parties are lunatics. Yeah, this is it. And I like kind of ha- will happily share my life and, you know, to a certain extent, our family's life on the on the Internet. And James will go out of his way to not share, to kind of not share his not share his life. And yeah, sometimes I'll get invites to stuff and it'll be like, would you and your husband like to do this? And I'll read it out to him and he'll be like, absolutely not. I can't think of anything worse. Tell them no. And I'm like, OK. But so I think that's, you know, it kind of works because you we're different but then after all those years together you sort of also in the home environment morph into the same person so yeah I think it's a recipe for total success I've been happily married for nearly 20 years and I think it's a recipe for total success so uh, yeah I I mean being not like the other person I think it's important what does James do He's a civil servant, Jess. No wonder he wants to he wants to mould into the background. <laughs> My mum was a civil servant. Um, I went on the fast track scheme to be a home office civil servant. I was doing yeah. all the tests and my mum said to me at the time, you will be the worst civil servant imaginable. You are indiscreet. You are wildly opinionated. You, you are just, just dreadful. You will, you will be dreadful at being a civil servant. Please don't be a civil servant. No, he's actually, I mean, I can see why he is a civil servant. It has been ever since he left school. So unlike me, he didn't go to uni. He went into a job and... You know, I think his first job was kind of processing national insurance numbers or something. Um, but yeah, no, he's very organised and he's, the, you know, again, I'm the one that doesn't know what day what day is or what's happening. But he would kind of, yeah, always, always know what's going yeah, on. Together at university. He didn't go to university and you did and you were stayed together. Yeah, I know. And I didn't even have to write him letters to keep him. So it must have been, must, must have been love. Maybe it would have ruined it. <laughs> yeah, it would. Oh, I mean, yeah, to be fair, we had one, you know, when you're in like the honeymoon period of a new relationship, we have one, it's, oh, so the, the cringe level is off the scale where I went on, I went on holiday that had been booked before we got together and we wrote each, we wrote each other these like, I don't even know what you want to call it, like holiday journals we had we both had like a notepad each I've still got them but I actually can't I can't even look at them it's like I got a physical cringe pain in my chest where we both wrote 
how much how much we were missing each other for like and I was like you know in Zante for two weeks or something um we would not do that now that's what we were like when you when you're 16 I remember like I was going away for a week's holiday and I'd write like letters to my friends just being like I'm gonna miss you so much like what losers and give them a mixtape just in case they've forgotten you while you're while you're away. God, it's so tragic. Did you ever break up at all? Yeah, I did dump him for a little bit. It wasn't very, it wasn't for very long. It was literally like, it, and that was it was in the university era. I decided that you know you don't stay with the person that you're going to be with forever, for you know forever, or the person that you've met you know first forever. So I was like, it felt like it was just ripping off a plaster. Like there was nothing. I I still wanted to be with him at this point. But I was like, what's the, yeah, um, we, I'm just going to, you know, delay the inevitable. And also I had in my head, like, everybody was kind of like, oh, we want to go traveling. We want to do different things. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Even I didn't really want to do any of that. So I ended it, but it didn't last very long. I was in a philosophy lecture and I stood up. Maybe that's what it took, a bit of uh, a bit of philosophy. I, I walked out and phoned him and said, I've made a massive mistake. This is me groveling. Take me back. And luckily he did. He likes to remind me of it all the time. Obviously, um, he told the he told the boys once. Boys, can you believe this? Mummy dumped me once. And they were like, "What?" Um, but yeah, other, other than that, that aside, no, it's been the yeah the, the whole time. Failing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, that's good. I mean, I mean, I've been with my husband since I was quite young. I was twenty one when we got together, so you know, it's not. And I knew him from when I was little. I don't think there's any reason. My mum and dad. My mum and dad got married when my mum was seventeen. Yeah, uh, we were married uh, until my mum died. So they were married like nearly fifty years. Yeah, it's the same. Same with me. Yeah. Oh, it's not that unusual. It's just a sort of modern ideal, like a bit like the modern ideal of the you you know, that you should have your children later as well. Like I, I personally, as somebody who had my children when I was young, I don't know why we, we, we're so sort of fervent on you should wait till you're in your thirties to have your kids. No, I don't either. I, I think it's perfect. You know, people are like, Well, you've got to have a career first and it's like, Well, why can't you just have one when you've got your kids? Like I managed it, like I don't yeah. I mean it just seems like that's not the barrier that's not the reason like the year you have your baby it's the you know innate patriarchy that we live in that is the problem yeah yeah absolutely and also if by that logic you're just putting off the point at which your career gets screwed over by having a do you know what I mean like you, it's, it's not like you it's not like you scurry up the ladder and then yeah I had nothing to lose. And also, they're not richer when your kids, are, when you're still young. I'm 40. I've got, like, a nearly 18-year-old. And, like, you know, I had no money when I had him. And, you know, but now he's going to piss off. I, I can live my own life. I can afford it. And it's going to be your time. No, I'm similar to you. So I had, so Henry, our eldest, I had him when I was 24. So, some, yeah, kind of, like that, you know, well, we, we felt ready. I mean, we are, you know, we did grow up in Cornwall. So by that point, literally everybody that we knew had had. Had, had at least one so everybody said oh you were so young well not really we were, we were actually kind of behind but uh, yeah no I don't I don't regret that at all I think that and then I, I have lots and lots of friends who come to wanting to have babies in their late 30s and find that they are their fertility is not what it would have been and it's just like I, I really honestly think we should encourage women to start start sooner uh, that's my advice have your babies young so how would you sign off a letter to James I <laughs> I think I would probably say to James, thank you for being the calm to my at times highly strung storm um, and that I love you more now than, than ever. 
And I'm really sorry that I never mentioned you in my thank you speech at that book launch all those years ago. Yours sincerely, Sarah. (laughs) So the second letter would be to somebody who is no longer here. So who would that be to? So the person I've chosen that's no longer here is Sophie Christopher. So Sophie Christopher was my publicist for my books. She worked for Transworld Publishers and she also became a really good friend and very sadly died very suddenly in 2019. Um, So she was only 28 and it was completely unexpected. She had a pulmonary embolism of sorts, I think, caused by like deep vein thrombosis. I might have got that wrong, but some, it was something like that that they thought was an aneurysm, but it wasn't quite that. It was just completely unexpected. Like I've known people. So my my mum died when I was a teenager. All my grandparents have died. Like I've known I've known death in my life, but I've never had never before that experienced the shock factor of a phone call and really sorry like are you with somebody kind of that had never happened to me up until um thankfully up up until that point and I wanted to talk about Sophie because I feel like she was just such a kind of inspiring and sunshiny person that I'm almost always looking for reasons and excuses to to talk about her even though it's you know even though it's hard so as the publicist for my books that's how I got to know her so she became a friend but we were thrown together in the work context where they went you know she worked for Transworld Publishers and they sort of went have Sarah help you know with her book tour and it was a whole new world to me the world of publishing I had no idea what I was doing or where I was meant to be or what I was you know it's you know all the jargon and Sophie was just this like even though she was younger than me she was like this level-headed calm but firm presence where wherever I was going off on a book tour and I had you know of the course of the the books I've written there have been points when I've had quite young babies or toddlers and so my mind wasn't really kind of I was I was finding it hard to think about being away and I always had this real sense of comfort when it was like I'd get the itinerary and it'd be like Sophie will Sophie's going to be there because I would think that's fine wherever we're going Sophie will be there we'll be okay and it was just like in the course of only the you know few years that I got to know her well, you know what it's like when you're traveling with people all the time, lots of long car journeys, flights, um, you know, gin and tonics in the bar after an event. There were a lot of, there were a lot of those. Uh, and she was just so optimistic about everything, about life, about everybody's work, ambitious, but wanting to help other people with their ambitions always. So, you know, never looking to, to compete with people, but just kind of really looking to, champion people and and build everybody up and um yeah I just remember always always looking forward to spending time with her and always laughing out loud you know laughing to the point of wetting myself at our message exchanges and you know people always I know it's a cliche to say you know someone had so much to give because everybody you know everybody that dies before their time like is you had something else left to give but you know, bloody hell! Like that, the more that she, the the amount of extra that she she had to give, it's just you know such a waste and a crying shame. And she'd already done so much. That was the crazy thing. Like we always used to make a joke. It's not like just since she's died that people have gone. Oh, she was this kind of like when she was alive, we'd be like, oh my god, she's like a force of absolute nature so she co-founded this female leadership in publishing 
um, platform to kind of help amplify like underrepresented voices in publishing. And that was just, you know, came her and two, two friends came up with that as like a, oh, we should do this. And Sophie was somebody that was just like, you know, loads of people would have an idea, but it takes a, it takes a doer, doesn't it, to actually get it done. And she was somebody that was just like, well, why not? Let's just do it. Let's do it now. And it, and it got done. I just don't even know, you know, she would have been career-wise absolutely flying, but also she had a lovely boyfriend, Tim. They were very happy. You know, I feel like she was, she was so good with my boys, loved babies and toddlers. I used to take them into the office and she would help my then four-year-old kind of cut out masks from his wrestling magazine and just be so competent in all those, you know, when you go to these kind of networky things, I, I get, you know, anxious about oh because I say stupid things and I'm quite clumsy and I always feel like my arms are too long and they kind of you know I'm I feel like I'm gonna knock somebody's drink over and so if you would just kind of command a, a sort of a, this is what's going to happen I'm going to introduce you to these people it was just like an efficiency like no other but always with a smile and a bit of a cheeky a cheeky glint and I just really I just really 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 miss her so you know I mean, suddenly losing somebody is, is, it is quite rare still for most people. Most people don't experience it. And it is, did you not believe it? I didn't. I had it twice in my life and I just didn't believe it. Like the, the first time was when Joe Cox was murdered. And I mean, I literally read in uh, a account, I was on holiday. I'd been at a house 24 hours before and it came across like a ticker tape on a news thing I was reading on my phone. And I swiped it to the side because I, and I thought in my head, I thought, oh gosh, someone's really messed up there. Like somebody's been typing something in to test something. Total disbelief. Like I just didn't believe it. When I read it, I just yeah. I, and I swiped it to one side and just carried on. Well, that's exactly what you were saying about, yeah, having been with her, you know, that was a thing that I, because I know, obviously, you know, rationally, if somebody dies suddenly, there's a, there's a, there's a before and then there's an after and it's, and there's a point and I understand and understand how it works. But I couldn't get my head around the fact that I'd spoken to her the week before. She'd, I think she'd like commented something cheeky on one of my Instagram posts or messaged me or something hours that the day she died. And it still doesn't seem real. I mean, she had, you know, I would say the loveliest funeral I've ever been to, the most vibrant celebration of, you know, there was something very jarring about seeing so many young people at a funeral because obviously generally the demographic of a funeral is younger family members, isn't it? But it was a lovely, it was like a, it was a lovely service and kind of the theme from her friends and family were kind of all the ways in which we can all be more Sophie. And I feel like it's a real kind of, legacy that endures like I'm always thinking like what would Sophie do like when I'm struggling to write my books because I'm basically procrastinating and watching videos that I don't need to watch on you know Facebook or whatever I think Sophie would be like come on Turner like crack on we've got to do this we've got a tour to go on we need to we need to do it she was a fan of kind of quotes from literature and I remember her sharing a post an Emily Dickinson if your nerve defy you go above your nerve and I always feel like that kind of I don't know that courage when I'm thinking like oh I don't know I really don't want to do this I think what would Sophie do she would just bloody do it she wouldn't be fanning around kind of you know procrastinating she would crack on so yeah it, it that kind of be more Sophie 
legacy endures. But yeah, it's just it just it's just so it's just so desperately sad. There's no And people try and I find this quite irritating when people do this, but people try and philosophize it to the point like, you know, that everything happens for a reason, that sort of shit. And it's just like no, it's just shit. Yeah. It's just sad. It, it, you know, and that's okay. Like, you know, like, like the, it's shit and there's nothing else I can say other than it's really sad and they shouldn't have died. Like, you know, yeah. that, that that's it. Like, that that's okay. Like, when my mum died, people kept saying to my kids, like, well, she's gone to a better place. And it's just sort of like, well, don't tell them that because what is better than being with them? Like, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost like, what have they done wrong? Yeah. Like, she's on a star. It's like, well, why doesn't she come back? It's just like, she's not on a fucking star. That's what I love. I know. I think that's it. I think there's lots of things that people try and say that are well-meaning, like, you know, in a better place now or, you know, but I think the only things that I've been able to take comfort in are where people have kind of gone you know in a kind of a bespoke Sophie attitude way of what would what would she appreciate what would she do that's the only kind of I don't know useful way of I like to sort of take the piss of uh, it's what she would have wanted when I do anything that I want to do yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's what she would have wanted about anyone Absolutely. I've ever known die well, yeah 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 I do that I mean I, I apologize to my mum all the time because I'm really quite shit at gardening and baking and all the rest of it and my mum was quite good at those things I'm always a little bit like oh sorry mum uh you yeah, you'll be you'd be yeah but um yeah there's just loads of things where I, you know I'll wake up and I'll think I found myself saying I was enjoying something the other day and I was describing it as a guilty pleasure and then I remembered Sophie being quite against the idea of guilty pleasures because she was just like we should just squeeze the joy and enjoyment out of things and not feel guilty for it so park that thought that's bullshit it's not guilty pleasure it's just something you enjoy and I'm um, just trying to in actual fact is my, my husband's philosophy a guilty pleasure would be like you know robbing banks for pleasure <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. harming other people for pleasure something that, really depraved rape is a guilty pleasure yeah. like, that, 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 that's the definition of a guilty pleasure like that does not it, it's not a thing like it's not watching love island is it or okay. bill collins i said was my guilty pleasure once and he was just like it's not guilty I mean, he doesn't pay his taxes, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so it's all those. It is. It's all those little things. No, exactly. So, um, so yeah, we do, we talk, oh, you know, as a family, um, you know, the, my big two boys remember Sophie. The youngest has got, you know, got pictures of him, hold, of her holding him, but he's got no, you know, no idea in the way that kids, in the way that kids don't. But we talk, we do talk about her all the time, which is nice. But, yeah, it's just such a, it's just such a, such a loss. And how would you sign off your letter to Sophie? I think I would say to Sophie that I wish you knew how much of a legacy you have left behind and how much your 28 years on the planet really meant for something, counted for something. Um, You're so, so deeply missed. Yours sincerely, Sarah. Yeah, we shouldn't think that when people die when they're young, you shouldn't only think of what they didn't achieve. To make your mark when you're 28 years old is like you know that's that's something that that needs to be celebrated. It's it's not just sorrow; it is celebration. I mean, Jesus had launched a whole religion and died when he was 33. So <laughs> there you go. You know, like <laughs> most 33 year olds do. Not not as much as Jesus. <laughs> but I think I probably would do more what Sophie did than what Jesus did. Yeah. Yeah. Same. 
ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, the last letter I asked you to think about was to somebody who doesn't know the impact they've had on your life. So, who would that be? So, I... I didn't think there was an obvious answer to this until I was... So I went back recently to my uh, secondary school. I was invited back to um, to give a keynote speech at the uh, at their GCSE awards evening, which was terrifying. I was so terrified. I had like the shakes and everything. It was awful. But anyway, I... Um, I was kind of doing the whole walking around the walking around the building, nostalgia and all the rest of it. And I was remembering Mrs. Fatemi, my English teacher, who I asked after I sort of said, does anybody know where she is? No, you know, it's one of those lost contact. Haven't been able to find her on Facebook or social media or anywhere else. Um, nobody knew. It was long ago. Teachers come and go, you know, revolving door of staff. And they're like, no, no, no. And I just thought she was my English teacher when I was doing my GCSEs. And I feel like up until that point, I worked really hard at everything, you know, in a kind of way that geeky kids do in that they want to do the best they can in every subject. But never got told off, was kind of like towed the line, wanted to be good at everything, but hadn't ever really found anything that I thought I was particularly good at. Like I felt like I could pass exams and uh, didn't have a flair for anything. I mean, it was obvious it wasn't, wasn't going to be sport. That was uh, that was obvious early on. And English was the one, it was kind of like, I think, year nine or 10 English with her, where she started to 
just offer these like words of encouragement about my writing. So she would say, you know, ask me if I could stay behind. And you'd think, oh, and everyone would go, ooh. And then, um, and then she would go, this essay is really good. Like, it's really like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm really impressed by this kind of just little, just little like bits here and there. And then she wrote a school report. I think it was for year 10. And she said something like, I really hope that you decide to go on and, and do something with words like it would be a real waste if you if you didn't like there's unlimited potential here and it's the first time that a teacher had said something like that and I really believed it I was like I think I might have found my thing and I don't think like my dad had always so my dad was an English teacher and obviously he told me this all the time but he's also my dad so my dad is an English teacher and he told me I was dreadful at writing <laughs> Well, it was kind of like, you know, you can you can be whatever you want to be. My dad also told me that I could be whatever I wanted to be in terms of like sport and PE. And that was not true because I was never picked for any team except the day I got picked for rounders because they also had netball and tennis or something going on on the same day. And basically the, the sporty kids were already earmarked for something else. So they chucked me on the bus and put me outfield. So I just remember Mrs. Fatimi kind of, I started to get, I mean, basically I probably was teacher's pet. I'm not going to lie, but I started to get that kind of fizz of excitement going to those lessons like I started to look forward to English and think this might be you know this might be the thing and actually I didn't go on to do English at university I decided to do philosophy instead and then I went and then rather than you know doing something Englishy as a job I thought I'll do like a a banking fast track scheme because that's that'll be good Um, which was fun and I did enjoy it but all of that time I kind of had my English teacher's I didn't know. I felt like I was letting her down almost. But I had that memory of her being like, you must do something with words. And I think that probably informed me wanting to start writing a blog and, you know, revisit the idea of writing, you know, you know, for a living rather than just as a, just as a hobby. So yeah, she would have no idea. Was she from Cornwall? Yeah. It's just, her, her name is very unusual. It is. It is. Um, I tried to, I think it's an Arabic name. I tried to find her online but I just can't I had no luck and the school couldn't help but you know I'll I'll keep trying you never know um we might we might we might find her might reach her she might listen you never know it's one of those things like it's it's weird with teachers isn't it because teachers teach so many kids the turnover of kids is, is, is massive and like they probably don't remember half the kids that they you know that they teach so I don't know if it's that thing about not meeting your heroes like maybe I don't maybe I don't want to meet her because she'll be like oh, sorry who what year when no no idea um but it doesn't matter actually really because of the impact that she had on me like it was it was it was huge um and I think be the reason people be teachers though mustn't it I mean, obviously, once upon a time, it was like, you know, a sort of good career path and a job for life. Now, I think it's considerably less fun to be a teacher. Yeah. But, um, but, um, like, that must be the reason, like, that, like, you... And and my dad, funnily enough, I mean, he was a teacher for 40 years. He remembers, like, you, you say hundreds of kids, but, like, when we were little, when we were little, you'd see the kids he taught around. I mean, now they're all in their 50s, so... Yeah. <laughs> he'd still refer to them as being kids, even though they're yeah. old. But, um, 
like he would see them around and they'd all be like oh oh hi sir how are you sir and he'd remember them all so like i think that like you know that is a sort of skill of, of remembering the different kids my favorite teacher was a woman called miss clements in secondary school and um i similarly had tried to find her she'd left and gone back to live in wales where she was from but her best friend came to the hay festival to listen to me speak last week and came up to me at the end and asked me to sign a book for her and I started to cry oh my gosh tell her I loved her and I love her and she changed my life and I wrote this thing saying you changed my life uh, and uh, she was like, oh, you know, she she thinks of you so fondly and she remembers you so proud of you. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is- that is lovely. I think that's the thing. There's something about, I don't know, it's even more emotional, I think, when it relates to, like, your experiences as a child or a teenager. Because it's like that thing where you're like, you're still that person. You're just in an adult body. Like, you not you know, it's that's, that's still you wanting kind of... In my head, I'm the 14-year-old girl that I was. And then I think, God, 14-year-olds are irritating when I have to spend any time with them. Yeah. I yeah. I... Children, you're not going to trouble the statue makers. You're not... I always feel like, because, you know, when you're an adult, it's kind of like, you know, you go you go to uni or whatever, or you don't, and then you go into a job and then one year rolls into the, into the next. So I kind of feel like in my head, I'm still kind of like 18, 19. But then I see, you know, students at the University of Exeter. I went back to do, a, do an event there and I was like, wow, they look 12. Why are they so young? So yeah, no, it, is, it is mad. But yeah, Miss, Mrs. Fatimi was the one. I had lots, I was lucky enough to have lots of great teachers actually, but. I think she was the only one whose encouragement changed my, I don't know, my self-belief a little bit. I think I, I suddenly thought I might be able to do something that previously I had thought might would, you know, probably be a pipe dream. So how would you sign off your letter to Mrs. Fatima? I would say I'll always be grateful for your unwavering encouragement and for giving me that first real sense of belief in myself and my writing. So thank you. Yours sincerely, Sarah. Well, Sarah, it has been a total pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to tell us about your lovely, lovely people and uh, tell us uh, about your somewhat tragic letter writing. I know. What a, what a loser. Oh, thank you, Jess. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends, telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.